HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit Michter's.com to find out how their taste-is-everything, cost-be-damned attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. And uh, before we get started today, I do want to mention that here over at Heritage Radio Network, we are holding our annual fund uh, fundraiser. It's uh, our five-year anniversary, and um, we ask that whatever you guys can donate. Um, we, are, we are a not-for-profit uh, radio station. You can go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the Donate Now button. If you become a household member, you get a really sweet tote bag. Uh, so go do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So without uh, without further ado, uh, today we have on uh, someone I've known for quite some time uh, since really since I worked at Vinifera Imports, my first job out of college uh, eight years ago or so. Um, we have Nicolo Barbarani here. He's the enologist and production manager at Barbarani Wines. The I think the premier, the best wines in Orvieto for my uh, for my money, without a doubt, we have them at our restaurants. Uh, the only producer who's really making organic wines in the area, making artisanal wines, uh, absolutely beautiful estate. Nicolo, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to have you on the show today. Good morning to everyone. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, I was actually just at, uh, at your winery last week with your brother Bernardo. Um, absolutely beautiful, guys. The winery is right on Lake Corbara. Um, this, this stunning lake with, with the hills overlooking, yes. overlooking the lake. It's actually it's the Tiber River, that is the river that goes to Rome, mm-hmm. that is forming this uh, incredible uh, little small but uh, very beautiful lake just under our hills and uh, giving uh, us an incredible microclimate condition for winemaking that is very important, especially also for our area. We are in, a, uh, in the classical, Orvieto classical area, so the most traditional area, but... Uh, our our place is something very special, very unique. 
Yeah. So your your grandfather started the winery um, in the early 60s. And over the years, Orvieto has come to um, be a more an area, a little bit more of in, industrial produced wines. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say that in your in your presence. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're wines that aren't the same. Most of them aren't the same quality and caliber. What when was the change? When did you guys in the history of the Barbarani state decide to make these more artisanal wines, more natural wines, more expressive wines, because it's clear that Orvieto has the potential to do this, but many people there choose not to. Yeah. Uh, that's very true. Uh, in the, my grandfather started in, uh, uh, 61. So it's 53 years old company. And, uh, that was a long time ago. And, uh, uh, wine market in Italy and worldwide was very, very different. Um, our area has an, has an history also for um, uh, industrial wines or wines that has to be uh, drink in a very short time, you know. But um, uh, during the, the, the late 70s and the early 80s, uh, my father started to understand the potential of the area. That is uh, an area that is uh, really old in winemaking. I mean, uh, Etruscans and Romans were there doing the wine and selling uh, and shipping all the wine uh, um, all around the Mediterranean area. And that's an incredible thing. It's, it's really something very special. So we figure out that. And uh, he figured out that it was possible to make incredible wines, uh, long-lasting wines, uh, uh, marvelous wines, and also drinkable, extremely drinkable, enjoyable wines in our area. So he started to make, uh, uh, to try to make the difference, to try to make something uh, different from the industrial uh, companies and uh, try to improve and make a lot of research mm -hmm. in our, uh, uh, especially in our indigenous grapes that has, that are the most important thing to do in Italy. And what was the, the big difference? Is it a matter of um, th reducing the yields versus the, uh, the larger companies? The, you guys have incredible hillside vineyards. Is it, I know a lot of times if you're making <laughs> Thank you. more industrial wine, it's maybe on a flatter, yeah. easier to mechanize, yeah. or the indigenous grapes. Um, I, I know you can also blend some non-indigenous grapes, which might have less it's character. What, what we call um, uh, territorio, terroir. Terroir means not only the soils, means mm. uh, uh, many things together. So the first thing was the, uh, our soils that are very poor and ancient soils. Um, uh, there was the sea before in our uh, area, uh, I mean ages ago. So uh, you can find shellfish inside, that, uh, which is a very cool thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are giving uh, to the vines um, a lot of things, a lot of minerality, a lot of uh, incredible uh, acidity. But at the same time, uh, uh, the, the soils are very poor. So vines are spontaneous, spontaneously producing uh, uh, less quantity of grapes, which means uh, more quality, you know. And that's very important. Then we did an incredible research in indigenous grapes, finding out the best ones to make quality wines and we found out that the Grecetto was uh, the main white grape mm. uh, to make a uh, uh, white wine in an in incredible high quality wines I mean it's, it's it was uh, uh, so cool to find out that it's uh, one of the few white grapes with tannins also inside it is something very special so I, you know I'm a big fan of this Grecetto grape uh, obviously it's a it's a blending grape in Orvieto sometimes bottled on its own, um, I think yes. it has a lot of texture, a lot of minerality, a white grape that has some tannin to it. It's, it's really unique. But I'm, I'm also curious about the history of, 
of Orvieto. I, when I was there, I visited some Etruscan caves, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there are <laughs> over 1,200 Etruscan caves just under the town of Orvieto, which is not a very large town. Yes. <laughs> How did this... Is Grecetto a, a Greek grape? I didn't know the Greeks yes, made it that far, yeah. that far up. Grecetto, for sure, was uh, uh, imported uh, by mm. the Etruscans the, the and the Fenici, uh, from Greece, from the, the Greece side, yes. Yeah, yeah. yes, yes, <laughs> from Greece, and um, this is actually very cool because uh, the Orvieto was also the most important uh, religious uh, capital of Etruscans, mm. and it was the last last Etruscan city that uh, has uh, uh, taken from the Romans. So this is a very cool thing because uh, Orvieto is made in a uh, in a hill, but it's a volcanic. Uh, uh, to Fascio's hill, that is, which is very cool, and uh, down this hill there are hand-carved uh, uh, um, caves. Uh, it's full of that, and Etruscan were uh, using that uh, like a, you know, uh, mainly like a refrigerator. So they are making, they were making wine, they were uh, storing wine, uh, and uh, all the the, the foods uh, in those caves. Uh, and the more you go down, the more the temperature goes down. Yeah, so it was something absolutely amazing. I've yeah, read, amazing. About, uh, read about this before, but actually feeling it <laughs> and experiencing it. If you guys go anywhere in your Orvieto, you've got, you've got to check this out. Yeah, because they have the, the traditional cave would be three levels. Yeah, three three levels, levels deep. Yes. The uh, first one for primary fermentation. It's something very, very interesting because it's the same thing that we do now yeah. in our company. Uh, we use physical methods uh, to, to, uh, to, make the, the, to make possible the, the, the winemaking processes. That is very cool and very interesting. The Etruscan used to make uh, the wine uh, in three levers caves. Mm -hmm. So the first level, they have uh, a slower temperature, uh, like, uh, um, I don't know the temperature, but it's, you know, a cool temperature to make the fermentation uh, uh, in, the, in the right way, not so fast, not so slow. Then the, the second uh, down floor was for the uh, decantation of the wine. So the, the, the big part, the dirty parts of the wine were uh, uh, decanting it down to the wine. And then the third floor was uh, to maintain the wine. So it was like a, a big refrigerator to keep the wine for all the, all the year. And that was so cool. And, and, it, and, and this was 2,700 years yeah. ago. And yeah. they understood the temperature difference and they were able to carve this out of, yeah. the, of the underground. It's just absolutely remarkable to me. Yes. Yeah. And we are doing the same thing because we, we are all organics. And uh, I really don't like to use any chemical in my, in my company from the vineyard, but also in the cellar, mm. which is very important. So in the cellar, we use physical methods to control uh, uh, all the, the wine processes from the fermentation and all the decantation, which is very cool. And with physical, you can do it like they, they did uh, 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 2,000 years ago. So it's... <laughs> and now let's talk uh, more about your grandfather from in the 60s. What are some of the things that you have held on to with his beliefs and his, his vision. And then I know you have a lot of ideas and innovation and you, you travel a lot. You're, you're on uh, boards of analogists. You're very well studied. So let's talk then after about some of the, the new things that, that you're introducing. But first, what, what are some of the things that, you, that you've held on to from his original vision? Yes, this is very important. Um, we like to say we, we're not doing a um, uh, new wines, but we're doing traditional wines. And the, our traditional way was actually very 
organic oriented you know and very also biodynamical uh, my grandfather started uh, to make wines uh, and uh, he believed a lot that the wine making was a natural process you know and so from vineyard he started to use uh, all organic products uh, uh, from the fertilization to the uh, um, to the old all, all the stuff that you do in a vineyard and the most important thing that we find out uh, was the biodiversity in the vineyard that is very important it means biodiversity not only for the animals <laughs> that is the, the the thing that you can see with your eyes you know but biodiversity is important in microorganisms in the, all the plants that are all the greens that are inside the vineyard mm-hmm. and what does it mean what does it mean that it means that you have to keep your soils very very lively very very uh, different if you do that you don't need uh, a lot of fertilization you don't need uh, um, to use chemicals you don't need uh, you know it's something keeping your uh, your 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 your, your ecosystem uh, very lively this is what, what, what really my grandfather left to me and uh, what I understand. Uh, and now I'm researching a lot on it because uh, we found out that it's the key to make uh, wine uh, in, a, in a certain way, you know? Yeah, and something that, uh, that you're experimenting, I found out from your brother. And uh, I, I also heard from the folks over at Sartorelli and Yesi. Um, they're also experimenting with the use of an algae uh, as a treatment in order to strengthen the vines. This is the first time I've ever heard of this. Um, can you, uh, alga, I think in uh, yes. Italian, can you, can you tell us a little bit more about this? What, how have your results been so far? Do you think that this is uh, something that really can, can uh, be the future of winemaking without chemicals? Yes. I think it's, uh, it's something very, very interesting. Uh, I'm very proud. Uh, I'm using that kind of pro- those kind of products, but it, because they are very, very useful. I'm so it's a shame because in Umbria I'm the first one, and uh, I hate it because I want more people doing it. But um, how does it work? And, uh, there are uh, some products. Uh, you know the the most the bad things uh, that you use in the vineyard, uh, also in organics, is copper sulfite. Copper sulfite are uh, it's something that is uh, you, you put it on the plants, but uh, when it rains, it goes to the soils and uh, remain in the soil for a lot of time, and that's very bad. So it's we, we, a heavy metal yeah. that you're allowed to use even in organic and yeah. biodynamic winemaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, to avoid that, we found out that uh, those um, algas, algus, how to say uh, algae in algae, Sorry, alga, Algins, alga in Italian. Yeah, algae in Italian. Algae. Extracted. Um, there are some substances. Uh, extracted by these algae that are very interesting and working in uh, stimulating uh, the plants. So uh, they are not uh, something protecting the plants actually, but uh, we call them um, uh, resistant induction. Mm. So this is very important. The plants are reacting in with those substances, like they are uh, in, make more uh, make them more strong, more powerful against the uh, the fungus and all the stuffs uh, that are ruining them. And so that is the most in- interesting thing. So if you do use uh, less 
less uh, less uh, uh, copper sulfite or, or less some substance and uh, uh, and you associate it with those algaes the the results are incredible i'm using uh, at least uh, um, the half of uh, of the products that i was using uh, before using before yes less, and less it's working half of the copper yes. sulfite and, and it's, solution. Yes. yes and it's working it's definitely working it's something is this is something real, that that know? is uh, widely used Throughout Italy, throughout Europe, do you it's, know of a lot of other producers? No, because uh, this is the sec- your your winery is the second time I ever heard it, and the first time was the day before when I was at Sartorelli. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe this is more common than I thought. No, this is a common in uh, obviously only in organic uh, mm-hmm. uh, organic companies, and uh, in Italy is now it's uh, growing, but uh, only only in a very few regions and few spots because it's something that you know. First, you have to try it, and you have to believe it. You know, because it's uh, you risk. It's a risk at uh, the first time. But then, when you when you find out that this is something incredible, it is still very useful, and it's working. It's cool. So some there are some companies in Tuscany actually that are working on it and using it. Uh, in Umbria, I'm the first one. I can say it because mm-hmm. I was uh, the one doing the registration in the Umbria products. So I'm very certain of it. And um, also, I don't know if they are using in some other regions, maybe in Piedmont or something like that. But uh, you know, it's, it's it's something that is uh, very interesting and it's growing. It's growing here by here. Uh, more and more companies will, I think, will use it because they are incredible, incredible. Well, uh, I, I'm very excited to, to hear more about your uh, your findings with this. Please, please do keep us updated. Uh, sure. We're actually going to take a uh, a very quick break, and we'll be back uh, with more of Nicolo Barbarani from Barbarani Estate here on Heritage Radio Network. Hi, I'm Julia Tertian, host of Radio Cherry Bomb. HeritageRadioNetwork.org is a nonprofit organization, which means we depend on the support of members like you. The reason I support Heritage Radio Network is because I'm passionate about connecting women and food to an audience that supports them and their businesses. The best way you can support this program and others like it is to visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org and click the Donate button to become a member today. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Victor's Whiskey is a proud sponsor of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. If you drink the whiskey that warmed General Washington's troops at Valley Forge, does that make you a patriot? Not necessarily, but it indicates that you appreciate that Michter sets the standard for highest quality, limited production whiskeys. America's first whiskey distilling company, Michter's rich history dates back to 1753, when a farmer in Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania, distilled his first batch of whiskey from Hardy Rye. At one point, a master distiller left his family's well-known distillery to join Michter's so he could be at a smaller, less cost-conscious company where he could make the finest whiskey, cost be damned. Ask your bartender or retailer for Michter's Whiskey today. Chatham Imports is the national sales agent for Michter's Distiller. For more information, please visit www.michters.com. That's www.michters.com. Hi, I'm Reggie Watson. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
All right, Reggie Watts. That's that's a good one, Jack. Well done. That's awesome, man. Uh, all right, we're back with uh, we're back on in the drink with Nicolo Barbarani. We're talking about some of the really innovative ways that uh, that Nicolo's estate uh, is introducing some new innovations to uh, to continue to make um, more natural, more organic wines. Uh, yes. The other one that I thought, uh, that, that I found out you guys were doing that was really curious to me was the use of sensors in the vineyard, um, to preemptively tell you if you're having an issue with some, some sort of, uh, mold pressure, disease pressure, um, anything like that. Can you elaborate on this as well? Because that is also something that, uh, that is not very common. Sure, sure, sure. Uh... I'm telling you also something more uh, if you're interested in it because it's something very special we're doing this year starting from the from the 2014. Um, I'm always researching new ways to do it, you know, mm-hmm. new ways to, to make it in a, in a natural way because uh, I really believe that we can do it. It's only a matter of research. I found out uh, so many ways to make uh, uh, organic wines uh, without using uh, sulfites, without using any chemical, uh, like uh, only experimenting, lo- only, you know, studying uh, the old old books and uh, find uh, new ways uh, to 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 make the the wine and also to work in the vineyard that is very important so technology is also something that can help us a lot definitely a lot in the, if you use it in the right way i mean because uh, many people in wine i'm so sorry are using technology to to make wine you know actually to make uh, to construct construct a wine which is i think a very bad thing but um, uh, if you use it uh, in a, in a right way to make the wine more more natural uh, it really can help you a lot so what we are doing now from starting from uh, this year we are um, Making a research uh, with uh, also Italian government and university that is uh, uh, always uh, keeping an eye on me and what I'm doing because I'm always uh, doing uh, those crazy funny things. And uh, the American government's always keeping an eye on us as well, except we usually <laughs> don't know about it. <laughs> it's the, we're really the same. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's usually just a little more secret. Isn't it? Yes. Okay. And uh, and so it's uh, it's it's very interesting because we are um, using some sensors, uh, putting them uh, uh, randomly uh, in the vineyards, and these sensors are um, uh, actually we call them uh, artificial noses, and they are sniffing little particles that are the precursors of the um, of the mushrooms uh, of the microorganisms that are uh, attacking the plants, you know. So that's very important. Why? Because uh, with that, uh, if you know that uh, in, in the air, all around, there are uh, those, uh, a certain quantity of those, parti- those particles, you can find out that uh, uh, it's the time to make a treatment or, or mm-hmm. time uh, to go to the vineyard and help the, the vines uh, to defend uh, them uh, uh, from, uh, from the problems, you know, from the, from the fungus that are attacking them. So this is actually very interesting. Also, we are working on, uh, I'm experimenting, doing something very strange so uh, completely uh, natural treatment uh, of the vineyards uh, using uh, uh, 
an innovative thing that is the uh, water with the oxygen activated inside that is something very mm-hmm. very very unique with Using, ozone with o3 yes yep. so three inside the, the the water and we are um, doing experimenting uh, uh, putting that uh, on the soils and on the plants and uh, now we are really uh, looking forward to it and uh, what uh, uh, looking what we we will do i i think it's some, something that will uh, helps will help a lot and will uh, will help us to do not use uh, chemicals anymore in the vineyard so we will see what will happen but it's something interesting i, yeah. I love every time i talk to you you're you're constantly thinking outside the box trying to <laughs> To come up with new and better ways to uh, to do things and, and solve the issue of even even though you're you're making organic wines, uh, how can you still have less of an impact and make better wines? And, yeah. uh, and I, I love that you're always thinking like that. I think it's it's really exciting, Thank and I you. wish there were, there were more people who are doing it. Thank you very much. Um, and one of the other uh, projects that 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 you're working on is making a no sulfite wine. Yeah. Um, that uh, that's really exciting. It's not available here in in the states, but uh, I'm very curious about the way that you make it. Because I've <laughs> I've had it, and I've actually had you guys send me a bottle <laughs> or a couple of bottles that came like not temperature control via FedEx. Um, it was a hot day in New York. The bottle came warm to the touch actually and I was like oh man this is not going to be it's a no sulfite wine that came from Europe and the bottle is warm and I opened it up and it was delicious and then I was like alright well but this is no sulfite wine so the next day it's there's no chance it's going to be good and I drank half a bottle I actually shared some with, with Jory uh, one of our producers here and uh, he really loved it as well the next day, it was uh, just as good, if not better, than the first day, yeah. which is kind of unheard of for yeah. no-sulfite wine. So how do you accomplish this stable, shippable, no-sulfite wine? Because that's, those are usually the big uh, arguments against it, that you can't ship them because they're not stable. They, they'll, they'll oxidize quickly the next day. How do you accomplish this? Yeah. Um, this, this was a, a, another experiment uh, that I started at least uh, five, six years ago. And um, I'm, on, I'm always uh, looking on, uh, on, on the market and uh, other wines and the problem of uh, uh, wines without sulfides, uh, it's always that they are very, very, how to say, uh, oxidable or problems with, uh, you know, with shipping, with the change of temperature and something like that. So I would like to make a wine that was... Uh, uh, a wine, something that you can uh, drink, something that you can keep for years without problems, and uh, but completely without sulfides. So uh, the first thing I told was uh, that uh, researching on it, uh, I found out that uh, we have incredible grapes, and those grapes have, uh, you know, sulfides are antioxidant, and uh, so they are doing uh, uh, work uh, in the wine, uh, preserving the wine from the oxidation. So I thought. There were also antioxidants, uh, and they are also antioxidants uh, in the vines, in mm-hmm. the grapes. So why don't we use it? So that was my first thought. And uh, everything, uh, uh, everything is born uh, from, from this. That is a very simple thing, but no one is doing it. <laughs> so I, um, I use the Grochetto grape uh, for the white, which is, uh, I told you, it's, uh, it's very interesting. And, and uh, there are tannins inside the Grochetto. Mm-hmm. So tannins are antioxidants. Also so an antioxidant. We are using uh, yeah. these tannins, make, uh, making uh, um, 
maceration with the skins, a lot of maceration with the skins, uh, uh, making the wine absorbing those uh, those uh, those particles, and uh, and the wine uh, is uh, is something that is very lively, uh, very last long. Uh, uh, keeping, we are drinking uh, uh, this wine uh, in three years made, and, and this uh, the 2011 is uh, still uh, incredible. A very, 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 very uh, alive wine. So very tannic enjoyable. white grape. Yes. For the red wine, you have San- Sangiovese, yes, we which San has tannin. Montepulciano, which has some tannin. Yes, as a well. lot, a <laughs> lot. And so this is the first, uh, the first thing. Then we, I, al- I always l- research uh, in uh, in uh, in making the the wine uh, in a natural way, no. And so uh, for me, it was simple to to understand uh, that this way was uh, the right way to do it. Uh, I mean, it's it's you have to care about uh, it a lot. So it's uh, not like uh, making a standard wine. Mm-hmm. It's it's more difficult. You have to. Uh, you, you do not have sulfites, so sulfites are preserving you also from uh, my microorganism attacks. So mm, you have to care a lot about uh, to washing everything, you know, to keep uh, everything very, very in a um, uh, very, very clean. And uh, also, you have to, to try the wine uh, once a day for wow. uh, for it's, two years. You know, it's exciting. You're doing it. amazing work, and I think that um, the other producers who don't want to use sulfites can learn a lot <laughs> from <laughs> you. They're they're stable. Yeah. They're delicious. Um, they're they're really wonderful. I do want to ask you also about uh, about your sweet wines because think that uh from what i can tell you first gained notoriety at least in italy for your for your sweet wines and when i uh when i worked back at vinifera i remember selling your sweet wines and pretty much everyone i showed them to was kind of blown away by them you do a moscato pasito which is a dried grape wine from uh from moscato grapes and then really cool the calcaia is uh noble rot or mufa nobile as as you guys would say in italy um so it's it's uh really complex and earthy um you guys are outstanding at it but i've found as someone in the restaurant industry it is hard to sell sweet wine we have, uh, I, I, I'm better at selling uh, even Amaro or, or, or Grappa or something sure. like that. And people aren't drinking as much of it. Now you travel all around the world. Yeah. Um, have you found that the market is, is getting more challenging for, for sweet wine? Or uh, even though people will love, like absolutely love it, it's hard to sell it to them. That's, that's my impression. What, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, you're, from my point of view, you're, you're very right. Because uh, they're... People is uh, less interested in this wine. Uh, they're interested. Their interest on those wines are, is growing a lot. Also here in the United States, definitely growing a lot. And uh, the problem is that uh, many of the sweet wine that we have around, not only Italians but I mean, from everywhere in the world, are very, very heavy wine, sticky wine, you know. And that's uh, annoying a uh, little thing, uh, mm-hmm. people. And they have the idea that the sweet wine is something uh, very sweet, only uh, using it to 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 heat with uh, with the sweets actually. And that's not it. Uh, we are making sweet wines, but very well balanced. So mm-hmm. the acidity is very present 
and is cleaning your mind from the sweetness. That is very, very important. Our noble wrote uh, Calcaia, for example, this is something very unique too, that you can do only in, in our area in, uh, in Italy. Uh, very special. The Botrytis, this rot is growing uh, on, uh, on our fruits uh, and uh, making the fruits uh, um, uh, heating, uh, actually heating the water and concentrate the sugar. So we have this incredible fruits uh, all rotted and we keep them and uh, we do uh, this incredible wine with our uh, with our grapes actually so everything is very indigenous also for the moscato moscato was uh, was there uh, since my grandfather time and uh, moscato passito is something you know very unique uh, mm-hmm. and, and different but all, all the sweet wines are very very well balanced which is the key to make a sweet wine so if you have a well balanced sweet wine you can drink it uh, with uh, with cheese in an incredible uh, uh, way my we can favorite d- way to drink sweet wine is with cheese yeah. i think with a lot of t- i mean you can have a sweet wine with dessert pairing and it can be it can be really wonderful but for me, most of the time, I find that sweet wine and sweet dessert is just too much sweet. So I like the contrast yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. Like with sweet dessert, I love coffee. Yeah, it is. And then uh, and sweet wine, maybe cheese or, or cheese some kind or, of or, yes. um, cookie that's uh, Asian not food, very sweet. Asian food also is very good with that. Mm-hmm. And the caramelized uh, meat is marvelous. It's working good. Foie gras, but... Well, you, you can you can play on it, you know. It's uh, you can challenge uh, people uh, doing uh, playing with those kind of wines because they are uh, it's it's a new thing. But I think it's something stimulating in the taste of people, you know. So it's good. And you, so you're having no problem selling. I mean, you guys make one of the best sweet wines in Italy. So thank you. So I guess that you'd have no problem selling it. But <laughs> thank you. Uh, I, I'm literally finding that it's it's less and less, and the, the people are drinking. Even I think we have a very uh, savvy clientele that comes to our restaurants. They I, I'm always impressed and surprised. And, and uh, but still, the most sweet wine that we sell is Moscato d'Asti and, mm-hmm. and Brachetto, which which I think is yes. pretty pretty tasty. Yeah. And so. You uh, you do a decent amount of traveling. You've been uh, you're you're on quite the the stint right now in in the states. Yes. What are some of your favorite places outside of Orvieto for eating and drinking around the world? Oh, uh, wow, around the world. Uh, I mean, United States are incredibly growing in on that way. I was uh, in before in, in California. Now I'm in New York, and uh, food is. Wherever I go, it's, it's, it's very good, very good. And any kind of, of, of food, Italian food, but not only Asian food, American food. So the quality of food is growing. And uh, uh, what I like here is that you, you are really uh, uh, caring a lot about uh, organic food. That is something very unique. I mean, in Italy, we, we, uh, we care, but it's, you know, we, have, uh, we have always had this kind of food you know my grandfather and every grandfather in Italy has uh, green uh, and uh, cultivating uh, plants and something like that but here you have uh, specialized places uh, shops uh, and it's something I really appreciate because I think it's it will be the the the, the future of the food market uh, for sure for sure we, we really have to care about it about the not only about wine uh, organic wines but only about organic food that is something 
so important. So United States is, I think, is the most interesting place to to hit. Well, you're fitting right in here on Heritage Radio Network yeah. with a statement like that. All right, uh, Nigla, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Pleasure uh, for me. I, I absolutely love your wines. You can find them Thank at uh, pretty much all of our restaurants and uh, look out for them. And and really, don't be afraid of of the sweet wines, especially yeah, that definitely Calcutta. not. And uh, they're, I'll, they're super delicious. I think I'll um, I about to say I'll, I I wait everyone that wants to come in Italy in Orvieto. That, which is a marvelous place and uh, we have uh, in our company we have uh, our guest house so you are free to come and see what uh, I'm doing there what we are doing uh, how we do it uh, and it's uh, it's really an experience uh, to do so I suggest you to everyone to come and see what we are doing thank you very much uh, thank you very much Joe and thank you very much uh, everyone too Guys, take that. him up on that. I was I was there last week. It is absolutely beautiful, and it feels uh, it just feels amazing there. It's not, <laughs> uh, and, and there aren't quite as many tourists as other as other parts. It feels really real, and you see yes, this, it's, ancient, it's, this ancient, this ancient history. Very, it's still very wild. It's still something very. Yeah. You no, know, Umbria is still very, uh, very pure and natural. Uh, definitely. The other thing that I love about Umbria, it's the only, and I think this is a fun fact, it's the <laughs> only region of Italy that is surrounded by Italy on all <laughs> yes, sides. You, Every other region either has another Unfortunately, we don't country. have the sea, so we, <laughs> <laughs> also our food is very earthy, you know? We have yeah. uh, all, all the incredible wild animals to eat and uh, incredible vegetables also to eat, so uh, it's an experience, really an experience to do. I suggest to everyone to come and visit Umbria and Orvieto. I agree. All right. Thanks again for listening. Thank you. Um, donate to our, uh, our fundraiser at www.heritageradionetwork.org. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>